Coyote Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Cuban and Miami native and Las Vegas-based Perez Hilton is the internet's most notorious gossip columnist. Perez was named the number one web celeb for 2007, 2008, and 2009 by Forbes magazine and has recently been tapped as one of the 15 most influential Hispanics in the U.S. by people in Espanol and named 2009 Hispanic of the Year by Hispanic magazine. Since launching in 2004, PerezHilton.com has become one of the leading go-to sites for celebrity news, garnering over 300 million hits a month. Perez is the editor-in-chief and sole owner of PerezHilton.com. He has been featured in or on the LA Times, The View, The Wall Street Journal, MTV's TRL, Larry King, CNN, E! Entertainment, Time, Life, Spin, CBS News, Business Week, Much Music, LA Magazine, Billboard, and many more. Perez has written two bestsellers, namely the 2009 Perez Hilton's Red Carpet Suicide and Perez Hilton's True Bloggy Word Stories. Later in 2020, he released TMI, My Life in Scandal. Not only does Paris have his own record label, but he's also a singer, songwriter, actor, and he hosts his own podcast with co-host Chris Booker, namely the Paris Hilton Podcast. Up next on Celebs Vint, we've got Paris Hilton. Where do we find you in the world? How are you doing? And what's happening in your life? I am in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. where I live now. Yep. And... I am doing the best I can (laughs) and just grateful for my health and my my safety. Well, that's good. How long have you been living in Las Vegas for? Since January. So it's crazy how fast this year has gone by. And what was the inclination or the decision to want to move? You know, I love Las Vegas. I have been coming here since 2004. It wasn't until 2018 that I really got to experience it as a local that summer, which is when it's the hottest. I was here during the summer for, I was here for over two months as a special celebrity guest host at Chippendales, the male review show. I didn't have to take off my clothes. (laughs) I was just the host. Yes. And being here with my kids for over two months, I really got to see what life is like off the strip. Mm. And I almost bought a house then, but it took me five years to really get the courage. And it's thanks to my my therapist okay. that I ended up actually pulling the trigger, as they say, and, and making the move because I had convinced myself that I had to stay in Los Angeles. And that's not true. You know, that awful pandemic taught so many of us that you could really work from wherever okay so now let's rewind all the way to the very beginning so at what age did you say cool i want to be in the entertainment industry and how did that progress to where we are currently today i know it's a number of years so the paris hilton journey in the entertainment world i think i knew when i was six years old i loved putting up one of my bed sheets and pretending that it was a curtain and, <laughs> yes. and, uh, and I would be 
on my imaginary stage, happily performing shows for my family. Mm. And especially my late grandfather was so supportive. He would just watch me do whatever silliness I was doing. And, you know, I, I'm Cuban and the Latino community in the United States is in many ways very different than Anglo-Americans yep. because all young Latinos grew up hearing their mothers and grandmothers and female family members and even the guys too gossiping about everyone and everything. In fact, the word gossip in Spanish, which is chisme, yep. it doesn't have the same negative connotations that it does in English, okay. at least in the U.S., I'm not sure over there where you yeah. are, but here in the U.S., to gossip is not viewed as a positive thing. But in, mm. in the Latino community, you know, everybody gossiped. It's just the norm. Uh, it's about being informed. My mother was the most informed person of them all. She knew everything about everyone from my relatives to the neighbors down the street, to the parents of my classmates. And she also would subscribe to these Spanish language celebrity magazines. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting too is how, I don't even know why we are here, but in the United States, a lot of Americans, if not the majority, over 50%, are really interested and fascinated by the British royal family. Yeah, It might have something to do with it, you know, that centuries ago, they they were here and, and we that was our, our queen. But Latinos are fascinated with the Spanish royal family. So I grew up reading all about them and, um, you know, that uh, fascination with celebrity only intensified actually after my dad died. My father died very suddenly when I was in high school. I was just 14 years old. And instead of working through that and seeing a therapist, I, I pretended it didn't happen. And I drowned myself in this world of pop culture, okay. consuming nonstop television. It was my babysitter and it was what soothed me and healed me, but it also became a crutch because I never dealt with what happened. Same, yeah. And those really were the formative years of Perez Hilton before Perez Hilton even existed. How did that accumulate for you to say, okay, cool, I'm going to do what I'm going to do? Well, you know, all of that backstory laid the foundation mm. yes. for Perez. And it's crazy to think that I really predate social media. Exactly. <laughs> Before there was social media, yeah. there was me. I yeah. started in 2004. There was no Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, X, TikTok. None of that existed. <laughs> and Facebook had only launched a couple of months prior and back then it was just for college students and invite only. I don't know if people remember the real infancy of Facebook. It was mm. so different. I discovered the world of blogs. And even that, it was a very different experience back then because most people used blogs as online journals, like diaries, very first person. Yes. You know, I went on a date and I had an awful date mm. and. Uh, you know, whatever their interests or hobbies or passions were. And nobody was using the internet to talk about celebrities and especially not to talk about them the way that I did. So it wasn't just the content. It was also the style, mm. the tone, the relationship with my audience. 
you know, back in 2004, when I started the celebrity magazines, they weren't, they weren't using their websites. They would just use their website to get subscriptions, like go to people.com to sign up for the magazine, go to usweekly.com to sign up for the magazine. It was all just placeholders to get subscriptions. Now it's totally different. And it's a much more crowded space. Back in 2004, it was just me and it was just me for a long time. And then TMZ came around after they saw my very quick success. Mm. And um, now everybody does celebrity news online. Like, I don't know about there, but here in the US, like all of the local radio stations, because people still listen to the radio, terrestrial, yeah. they all do celebrity news. And it's just oversaturated but thankfully i think that that only helps me because there's only one me and instead of you know checking twitter and instagram and tiktok and all of these things if you want to be informed just go to my website or listen to my podcast so when you started with the blog did you realize that you were creating something different and a forerunner in what what was to come Or did you just say, okay, cool, I'm just throwing caution to the wind and seeing what happens? I could have never imagined any of the major amazing things that have happened in my career because there was nobody that did it before me. There was no blueprint that I could follow. There was no example to, 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 to get inspired by. You know, I really was the first influencer. Self-appointed, but I, I I truly believe that. You know, I started in 2004 and the first influencer as we know it today. Obviously, there were people with influence before, but the career of an influencer mm. or a creator or whatever you want to call it, that didn't exist before. Somebody whose success is thanks to social media and non-traditional media. That's me. And I mean, when I began, that word influencer didn't even exist. Exactly. Originally, they would call me web celeb, which I actually want that to make a comeback. I think that's cute. Web celeb. It is cute. But actually, that tells you how how early in the game that was, web celeb, because social media hadn't really exploded by the time I began. It was Mm -hmm. all about the web, the internet. Exactly. And now it's not just about... A, a domain and the web. It's about everything, all of these platforms and apps and all of it collectively. What are your perceptions on social media? I hate social media. I have a very addictive personality. Okay. I, thankfully, I don't have a, any drug or alcohol addictions. My addictions are work, social media, and food. And people might think it's funny, but you know, I'm sure that studies have shown that mm. For many people, social media is like a drug and it releases these dopamines in your brain. And um, it's hard when your job is that. It's really hard to unplug. I mean, listen, I also love social media. It's a love-hate relationship. I Mm. think I have my whole career thanks to it. And I think it it can help. But I also think that it has, like anything it can be very detrimental for not just individuals, but for society as well. But overall, I'm happy because, you know, I, I, I really 
appreciate the last 19 years. <laughs> Absolutely. So now let's dive into the acting side of your world. So did you start acting at the same time before or after you started your blog? I went to school in New York City. I mm-hmm. went to NYU, New York University, and I got a degree in drama. I always wanted to be an actor. And I moved out to Los Angeles because I couldn't really sing or dance at the caliber needed to, to be on Broadway. So I thought I'd have better chances of getting work in Los Angeles, in Hollywood. Yeah. Back then, though, and actually still to this day, I think it would be very challenging for somebody with my birth name and that looks like me. You know, my legal name is Mario Lavandera, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. a mouthful. English speakers would struggle so much trying to say Lavandera. And also back in the early 2000s and probably still today, if you were going to cast a Latino character, they were going to cast a darker skinned person. They were not going to cast a blue eyed, light skinned Latino. And there are many of them, you know, from Cubans to Argentina to even in Mexico, there's a Latino is not a race, it's an ethnicity, and they are all shades of colors. But it doesn't really check the diversity box if you have a light-skinned Latino, unfortunately. It's amazing. It's uh, These boxes and these labels and these things that society places, I'm just laughing because I think it's absolutely ridiculous what you're saying. What do you enjoy about acting? I love that I get to make people happy. So... That is one of the main reasons why I still do what I do, because in my many jobs now that are not acting, I still get to make people happy. The world is very difficult. And if I can help people escape their problems for a bit, that means so much to me. I also love that, you know, acting allows me to really be creative, maybe even more so than my other jobs. Uh, you know, it allows me to really be present and in the moment and capture something hopefully magical. Um, you know, I have all of these ideas and dreams for things that I would love to do acting wise. Like if I all of a sudden got Oprah money, like FU money in the bank, like if I'm a billionaire and I could do whatever I wanted in the world. I already know what I would do. My two dream projects are yes. I want to be starring as Richard Simmons in yes. a Richard Simmons biopic. Familiar with him. He's yeah, yeah, very, yeah. I, yeah, the the weight loss guru personality yeah, yeah. who is larger than life but has mysteriously ghosted the public world. Yeah. Uh, I I I want to make that movie and 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 do him justice. And then I want to do a stage project as well. My favorite musical of all time is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yes. And I need to play Hedwig. And if I'm a billionaire, then I could spend a million dollars on that show and just have it be like crazy over the top, like Hedwig's fantasy of what like her dream show would be if she had all the money in the world. So let's not say if, let's say when, and let's put it to the universe to happen. (laughs) All right. When I do those. Yes, when you do those. <laughs> Lovely. You've done uh, hosting, you've done acting, uh, you've done on stage as well. So the difference between those three 
for you and do you enjoy one more than the other or do you enjoy them all equally the same? Great question. I mean, I enjoy each for different reasons. Yep. I enjoy theater because of the relationship you have with your co-stars and with everybody working on the project. You know, oftentimes those are long experiences. Like you can be in a show for, you know, on Broadway. Some people do a show for a year or two years. I've never done a show for that long myself, but I love that it's different every single night. You know, it's never the same. And with film and television, I really do love that it captures that forever. I, I think it's really cool that I've been in a lot of music videos and music related things that will be around after I'm gone. Like I, I was in Rihanna's SNM music video, which is a major highlight of my career. Yeah. I was in the opening video for Britney Spears's circus tour, okay. which sure that that will be watched also for a very long time yeah probably not forever but yes. the rihanna music video might have a longer <laughs> lifespan um than that britney one but i love it all you know I've, I've even released songs just for fun like i feel so grateful to not be precious with my career mm. like i just do whatever i think will be fun but you mean your own original music yeah, yeah, oh, I've cool. released a few songs. Did you write the music yourself and the songs? And what inspired yes. those songs? Yes, well, I've done a, I've done a combination. I've done some original songs and some covers, and I've done a couple of Christmas songs. Okay. I've done it all. I've literally been at this for nineteen years. Yes. I've done it all. I've done it all. Um. You know, writing the original songs, it really, it, it all was depending on what I was doing it for and where I was in my life at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I did one for a gay movie that I was acting in. So that was fun. I did one as a response to getting older and, and aging, uh, inspired by that phrase, okay, boomer. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, I love, I mean, I am not the best singer, but I love music and yes. I don't care if I don't sound that great. I'll still do it. Okay. So I love this game. I know there are millions of them. I understand that and I recognize this. And if I, I know if I had to ask you this question in two days, two hours, two minutes, I know your answer will be different every time. And I understand that. So if you had to push play to five songs, once we finish this conversation, what would those songs be and by whom? Oh God, five songs. Yes. <laughs> uh, I would say uh, number one would be Madonna's Holiday okay. because it's my favorite song of all time. Yep. Number two, I would put on um, Angel Standing By by the singer Jewel. Yes. Number three, I'd put Golden by Mika. Number four, I would put. I Will Remember You by Sarah McLaughlin. Yep. And number five, I would put The Rhythm Is Gonna Get You by Gloria Stefan by the Miami Sound Machine. Oh, that's, I, I like that mix. Really cool, different genres. So moving back, why did you choose and change your name to Paris Hilton? I know the pronunciation, a lot of Anglo-English people, you know, could not get the your pronunciation correct. But why Paris Hilton? Where did that come from? Well, when I started in 2004, Paris Hilton back then 
was the equivalent of Kim Kardashian now. Yes. You know, over the last 19 years, her fame is not as burning bright as it used to be, mm. but Paris Hilton is still an icon, okay? Yep. Icons are forever. Absolutely. Uh, and I just thought, you know, when I'm dealing with things that could really upset people uh, or that could get me in trouble, it might be good to have an alter ego. And, you know, I was getting a lot of negative attention back then. And I was doxxed and all of these things. So I, I just thought it'd be a smart thing to do. And so was that uh, persona that, you know, at that stage, sort of, yes, you created this persona, but was that persona somehow um, different to who the real you was? Or were they just one and the same person, just with a different name? No, it was definitely like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. And obviously it was me as well. Yes. But, you know, for example, like if I was to do, uh, I, I don't just love music and acting, I love fashion as well. So if I was to do a red carpet, I, you know, as Perez, I'm going to wear something really loud and fun and crazy and chic. But in my normal life, I'm just like in pajamas all the time. Or if I'm just going to the movies with a friend, you know, yes. like I'll wear a t-shirt and whatever. Like, yes. Um, I definitely play up Perez still, but there came a point where first I got lost in this character that I created. Okay. Because it was a defense mechanism. It helped me to do the, what many and myself would say was hurtful things to others. Like, you know, having an opinion is absolutely acceptable, but being cruel is not. And there were many times where I was cruel. Okay. And I knew it. And I was doing it on purpose just to get attention. I was okay. attention seeking. It was easy. It was real gutter, lowbrow, and uh, I was rewarded for it. I did get the attention, and a lot of it, it worked. So, you know, that's why I understand why a lot of people still strongly dislike me, and a lot of people, the majority, probably cannot forgive me or let me move forward and evolve and see me for who I am today. I get it. I probably would not either you know forgive me you know it's like that expression first impressions are lasting impressions mm. and hopefully you know that could be but it, it won't you know like hopefully that could be a real cautionary tale for people but people are going to make their own mistakes even yeah. my kid like even if you tell them, okay, I, I did that and that did not work for me. Mm. If they want to do something, they're going to do it. You know, like yeah. people need to learn for themselves and make exactly. their own mistakes. But the internet and social media is forever. You know, people will still come at me with receipts from things that I said 15 years ago. So on from that, what is your perception of cancel culture? I believe in council culture, okay. but I don't believe in cancel culture. Yes. And I do believe that some people view it as sport. It's entertainment for them. They're not really trying to make things better. It's just sport. And I yeah. think that's gross. Uh, do, you do you think potentially that 
are hopefully not not overstepping here. Do you think potentially if you were doing back then what you're doing now, you would be cancelled? No. I no. mean, probably, but I mean, I have been cancelled. I've been cancelled, cancelled over and over and over again. Okay. <laughs> it it all depends. I don't I don't think so. I mean, you look at people out there, there are people that are still very controversial that are very mm-hmm. successful. Yeah. And I don't I don't want to get controversy by being purposefully hurtful, which I could. Yeah. And I could also do all of the other things that I used to do that would still work in this day and age because people are hypocrites. Exactly. People, you know, they, they, they climb the moral high horse, but publicly, but privately, you know, if whomever like um, Taylor Swift, if Taylor Swift made a sex tape, I guarantee you everybody would be scouring the internet, trying to find it and look at it and sharing it with their friends. Mm. I would not post that, but I would have 15 years ago. And if I were to post that today, yes, would explode my website. Everybody would go look at it. And then publicly criticize people that did go look at it, but privately watch it anyways. <laughs> yeah, I know. Humans are weird. <laughs> I'm laughing because humans are ridiculously weird. <laughs> Podcast is listened to throughout the world. So as a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? I would like to say, have more compassion with yourself, with yourself, like I'm, I'm, I'm constantly having to work on that. You know, I'm very hard on myself. I constantly feel like a failure. I'm constantly trying to do better. You know, it's hard being a single father of three young children and trying to maintain my D list status, (laughs) but I'm still on the list and there is the F list below the D list. So even if I continue to slip, I, uh, I'll still be on the list. Uh, but yeah, you know, just have compassion. Like, I really think people are trying to do their best. I'm trying to do my best and trying to do better and still probably make a lot of mistakes, but my intent is never to be hurtful. And hopefully people do whatever makes them happy that doesn't hurt others because life is short. It's crazy to think that, I started this 19 years ago and now I'm 45 years old. Um, yeah. Do what makes you happy. If you enjoyed me on here, you can check out my podcast. You can listen at perezpodcast.com. 